What's up, crew? Welcome to another Clover Tech podcast. It's March 31st, 2022, and we've got uh, Miss Diana Muller on deck. Going to be a great conversation. It's always a great conversation, but lots certainly to talk about uh, with Diana. If you are joining us in the podcast realm, audio podcast realm, in replay, remember you can always join us live and ask questions out there in the chat. If you do have questions for our guest, of course, throw them out there and uh, be a little bit patient. I don't want to derail the conversation to get to questions, but uh, yeah, as we uh, are able to address those, we certainly, certainly will. What else do we got? Oh, big uh, shout out and thanks as always to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those that shop clovertech.com slash shop, super chat, super thanks. We appreciate all you do to help support the uh, channel and everything that's going on. Quick programming note. For those that are either watching this live or uh, fairly recently after release is uh, tomorrow, Friday, will be the last two videos dropped from the gathering and the, what am I thinking, the Shooting Sports Showcase events. So you won't have to deal with uh, the barrage of content coming from that direction after tomorrow. But we will have uh, the usual content, content, excuse me, we'll get back to the regularly scheduled programming so uh enough bloviating from me let's bring in diana and get this party started how are you ma'am i'm fantastic thanks for having me you bet excited to uh, finally get you on schedules finally worked out oh my uh, gosh we've been talking about this since before shot show i think so and and uh not that you do anything you don't do anything so uh, ryan and i have a joke <laughs> that we just sit around and eat bonbons if anybody right. asks you know for busy well, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with that. Bonbons. But I, but I do have a bone to pick. So whether you're going to DC project or you know check out any of the profiles on your social media, right? You've got this big long what I would call distinguished list of accomplishments and things you've done. Somebody's somebody's lying because there's no way you're old enough to have that list of a resume. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah. So. Do you do you have access to a time machine? Do you know the secret to, you know? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I What's going on? I appreciate you saying that, but uh, I have access to good hairdressers and good hair color. Go. <laughs> and uh, and I have noticed, uh, you know, I'm 52 years old now, and uh, I have noticed that it's, uh, you know your body just kind of starts changing and it looks old and it feels a little bit older, but right. I appreciate right. you saying that. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of where I wanted to start out. I want to sort of talk about uh, a little bit of your background, maybe upbringing and stuff like that. Since we are talking about uh, something that's going on this weekend, I'm curious with your, with your time there in Tulsa with the PD, which we'll, we'll get to in more detail if you want to, uh, this weekend is the Wanamaker Tulsa Arms Show, the largest gun show in the world. I will be there. Several others will, of course, you will. be there. We should have done oh, that yeah. from there. I'm an hour and a half away from there. I moved from, really? Tulsa. I moved from Tulsa about a year ago, and uh, we moved back up to Coffeyville, Kansas, where Ryan is from, and sold everything in Tulsa, outside of Tulsa, all of our land, and we moved up here because we can survive the zombie apocalypse from this place. And, <laughs> right. and now I'm an hour and a half away, and I forgot all about that. I saw ah, something that yep. it was this weekend, and um, hmm. Yeah, every April, every November, I've been, uh, what was it, in 20, they did not have it because of the cough cough. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but I think ever since maybe 2017 or 2018, I've been every every time. So uh, well, and had the luxury to, of. I used to live about a mile away from the expo, so really? um, wow. everybody always used to stay with me and and then go to the gun show. My dad always enjoyed it, and so right. I would go. In, I would go occasionally, but I didn't hit every one of them. You know, my big thing with the that show and all gun shows really is that. Um, it's stale, it's stagnant, the same tables at the same place and stuff like that. So if I had time, I think I floated this to them at one point and I was like, mm-hmm. in my mind, there's a lot of older gentlemen that go and they need a place to sit down occasionally. So what I was thinking about doing was like having like a, a, a not a stadium per se, but an area that you could have a stage and have a presentation like once every three hours or so. And, oh, and people neat, yeah. could sit down for like a 10 minute presentation, um, bring, you know, professional shooters in, bring uh, p- politicians in that were good on the second amendment, just kind of spice it up a little bit. So if you know of anybody down there and they want to do that, that's, uh, that's my big idea. Well, I do. One of the reasons I've been every time is I talk to uh, the promoters at the time, Joe and then Carrie. And so I could talk to them. That's a great idea. Uh, I like, well, I like we that idea. To, we have to do a better job of pulling in other other people uh-huh. and renewing ourselves. And I was thinking about on that stage, you could have like a gamer come in and advertise that and pull in the kids. Um, so there's a lot of things that you could do with that. But we really have to engage the, that demographic of people and make sure that, you know, they're not you know, 6% of those people, maybe a little bit higher in that demographic that goes to the gun show are, are members of a gun organization that's protecting a second amendment rights. It's only 6% of gun owners that are actually paying members of an organization. And that's just crazy talk. Right. Well, I know that, that since I've been going, we, we brokered a deal with them to be able to work media for the show. Mm-hmm. So we're able to video and take pictures without getting hassled by security anyway. Uh, right. And it goes over a little better with the the vendors, the exhibitors, the tables there. Uh, but we've been able to hit on, uh, you know, meet certain people, get them, you know, do podcasts from there, do little videos from there. There's some ammo collectors and, and obviously firearms collectors and stuff. Great. Makes for great content that gets word out for the show and, and, kind of keeps things fresh, right? We, we look for those things every time we go. You're absolutely right, though. A lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same people in the same tables, and, and it's that way with every, with every gun show. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to, you know, that's one of the big things that as I have uh, opened my eyes to politics and paying attention to how things operate, uh, one of the big things uh, I'm noticing is that we're really bad on visuals, Uh, we are, I just saw another picture of another, I can't remember what state it was. It was Wyoming, maybe, um, signing pro 2A legislation and completely, it must've been something to do with law enforcement because there was a lot of uniforms in the room, but you know, you've got the governor standing there and the whole room of white guys. And I'm like, we have to be more intentional, um, and, and be more strategic about our visual and our optics. Mm -hmm. And, and do you see a problem? We're kind of jumping to what I, I thought we might cover at the end, but I, let's dive into it. I'm okay with it. Um, one thing that I see, and I'm, I'm kind of 
in that media realm, right? And one thing that aggravates me is the it seems like people focus on the negative more than the positive, and that aggravates me because I'm thinking from a mentality that who wants to join a losing team? If we're always talking about how we're losing, how we're getting beat down, it's like, is that a good strategy? Wouldn't it be more effective if we focused on the positive that, hey, we're making strides here, we're winning ground, gaining ground back here? Wouldn't that be more conducive to bringing people into the 2A community? Well, I, I don't know. I think that there is a, a need for you to, a need for organizations to point out, you know, why it's important to be engaged and plugged in, you know, the threats that you need to know about the threats because not paying attention to the threats is what's got us in sitting here in a hot boiling pot of water uh, that, you know, we're just like, we just want to be left alone and no, I'm not into politics. And I'm like, well, politics is into you. And if you really want to be left alone, you're going to have to do something besides go to your nine to five and take kids out to the soccer game because right now you are seeing all over social media, all over the news that our world is in dire straits. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe come join me. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we do need to sound the alarms and I'm, I'm a hundred percent confident that if Paul Revere rode through the streets these days, that people would be going, Oh, look, Paul's running through the streets. Completely agree with them. Like, <laughs> right. That's it. That yeah. is exactly oh. as far as it would go. So yeah. um, I do feel like there needs to be a sounding of the alarms, but, you know, pointing out that we are, we have the truth on our side. So, um, and pointing out that some of the DC projects it part is the education DC project, women for gun rights. If nobody has heard about that, I know you're probably going to get into that later, but. Oh Yeah. One of our pillars is education and our education goes, there's an internal piece and there's an external piece. So what we're talking about right now and going to these gun shows and things like that is this internal piece. It's, it's, it's important for us. And we haven't as a firearms community engaged and uh, expected our community to be equipped with the knowledge. We're not really pumping out that knowledge. They, we have a huge choir and uh, we have a we have a lot of people that can sing, and only six percent of those are coming out to the choir. And of those six percent, probably you know I have no idea how many, but a handful actually know what the words of the song are. So right. I think it's up to us to not only get those get more people into the choir, but also teach the choir members what the words to the song are, and help them be better prepared to talk about the Second Amendment and to talk about gun ownership and how to, you know, very, very good tidbits, little, really small bites. You can't go into the, my cold dead hands and, um, and, and the constitution. And because I, because it says so in the second amendment, you know, that's not winning hearts and minds. Um, So I think that that's what we're, what our, our goal is right now should be uh, across the board is to prepare our, um, prepare our choir members with, with a little bit more equipping them with a little bit more knowledge of how to bring people in and how to be kind. And you're absolutely right. You know, we are the biggest, um, you know, somebody does something wrong. We're jumping all over them, you know, social, I mean, it was just like, just stop, just stop and try to find some, try to find, say what you want to say, but just say it in a better way. Right. I mean, right. 
I just, it just makes me want to cuss when I see these guys, you know, and, you know, do, do you really have to knock somebody who's hunting with an AR just because you hunt with a bow? Is that really helping? Um, so there's a lot of that nitpicky going on within the firearms community that I just wish people would stop, grow up, just, just scroll on by. If you disagree, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. That's the last time Disney, <laughs> right. that's the last time Disney was good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, the, nobody subscribes to that anymore. And another one is treat others the way you want to be treated. Nobody seems to adhere to that one either, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, you have a fire for what you do and a passion. So let's let's backtrack a little bit into why you're that way. I'm curious with your with your upbringing. Were firearms a part of your upbringing? Oh yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad was into law enforcement. Um, we always had guns around. Um, when I was 15, 16 years old, I was sitting in a deer stand, much to my chagrin. I did not like sitting still. I didn't like being cold and I don't like dissecting things. I never, you know, I never liked that. I still don't. I'm not a huge hunter. I do like to go hunt birds because I love to watch the dogs. I love to be outside right. and it's, and, and you can move around. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, and I love to eat meat. Sure. <laughs> I am very appreciative that my, my husband loves to hunt. So, um, we're always stocked with meat and I, I can appreciate that. It's just that that's not my thing. I, uh, my dad, once, once I did kill a deer and I was like, Oh my gosh, I killed Bambi's mom, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, then, you know, well, there you go. Disney, they did have an effect. Right. And, um, but, uh, you know, once I, once he realized that that wasn't really my, my gig, then he turned my attention towards competition shooting. And we mm -hmm. went to a, a Michael Plaxco, if you know that name, we went yeah. to a, one of his classes out at uh, Passa Park in Illinois. So I'm right over the border of Illinois. I'm from North central Missouri. So okay. we went to that and we competed, you know, we went to handgun competitions for the next couple of years uh, until I went into college and, you know, got away from everything. Well, let me back up. I mean, we were horse people. We were oh, every, okay. every summer we were at a, at a horse show every weekend. So that was our primary hobby. Uh, but then somehow dad kind of wormed in the, the shooting and we, we enjoyed it. We didn't do it a lot, but um, we enjoyed that. And then once I graduated, I went to college and uh, Central Missouri State University. And I graduated from there and I went straight to Tulsa because they were hiring. And I got a job with Tulsa Police Department. And so I had to give up everything to start adulting. Right. And it was several, you know, it was three years or so before, three or four years before I got a horse. I chose horses and I went back to um, my roots as a horseman and, and barrel raced for the majority of my. Oh, wow. Yeah, for the majority of my adult life. And uh, then in 2008, so that was like 92 to uh, 2008, uh, Tulsa, um, United States Shooting Academy was built in Tulsa. And I thought, mm -hmm. you know what, Diana, it would be good for you, for your work um, to go to a match and just get some time behind your gun. And I went to a match, I went to a pistol match and found a group of people that I really enjoyed being around. 
And I really enjoyed to be in and around a little bit more than the horse people. So I would divide my attention and I would do, you know, I'd shoot one weekend and I'd go barrel race another weekend. And then it, it was about 50, 50. And then after a couple of years, it was, you know, I was 75 going shooting 25 and then trying to keep up with 30 acres and five horses. And finally, I, um, I think God actually stopped all of that because I got a really good horse and he was winning and, uh, he just had, he mysteriously, uh, started convulsing in wow. over about 30 days. We had to put him down and I was devastated, wow. but I would have never left barrel racing had that horse, you know, taken me for the next 10 years, taking me to the winter circle. Okay. So I, I do, I credit God in everything that has happened in my life for the past 10 years or so, and really turn steering me back towards, um, steering me back towards the shooting sports and, sh and, and definitely turning my heart on to advocacy and paying attention to what's going on in the world. Mm. Now with, with growing up, speaking of that advocacy and, and 2A awareness, I mean, it, it's, I tell people a lot of times my mother had a hard time at, at uh, birth because I was born with a shotgun, right? It's like I, I don't ever remember a time. There's literally photos. Yes, there are. That was a thing once upon a time. There was, weren't just on your phone. Yeah. But there are literally photos with me in diapers with a you know, gun rack in the background or a gun cabinet in the background, that sort of thing. Uh, I never remember a time. I'm one of the people that could not tell you, unfortunately, the first firearm that I shot because I was mm -hmm. so small and the people that would know that are no longer with us, unfortunately. So, but being a firearm owner, as you alluded to, and being an advocate or what I consider a, a, a the advanced level, which is an activist, uh, totally different things. So growing up, were you aware of the second amendment? Was it kind of there in the background or when did you sort of have that epiphany of, whoa, this is the second amendment. It's a natural right. We need to protect this. That wasn't until way late. That wasn't until, um, in 2015, I was sitting in a congressman's office with uh, myself, my husband, Jerry and Lena Michalik, and we were just tourists. And uh, I said, hey, is there something that we should be doing to educate the people in this building? And that's where the D.C. project really wow. the idea was born. And um, wow, just it's and now it's grown into a nationwide organization of women, you know, safeguarding the Second Amendment and using the women's voice to uh, basically be a counter to Moms Demand Action. If you don't know who Moms Demand Action is, then you don't know who your enemy is and who is working uh, diligently every day and using scare tactics and lying and, and to, to take away your, your Second Amendment rights and to disarm America. Right. Um, Gunpowder Beauty, and this probably feeds in a little bit. Let me go find the comment out here so I can put it up. But this probably feeds in a little bit to the uh, the DC project. This says, uh, with the rise of female firearm owners, what improvements does Diana see needing to happen to help more people become gun owners? And I would add to that, and eventually, <laughs> not right away, uh, 2A advocates. But uh, what do you think? I mean, obviously, is there room in the DC project? I want you to talk about that for sure. Uh, is there room to bring those new females to the gun community into the fold? You know, the DC project uh, doors are wide open. We are free to, to 
join dcproject.info. But we are really a, we are not the education piece of actually putting a gun in somebody's hand and, you know, hosting classes and things like that. We leave that up to a girl and a gun, the well-armed woman, um, shoot like a girl. There are a lot of good organizations out there that are, are doing that. Uh, and they are, they are killing it. Uh, and, and this person is right there. The rise in the female demographic is astonishing. Um, but people, you know, people recognize that they're their own first responder. Um, and what can our community do? Our community can stop talking to women like, uh, Hey, little lady, you know, even as a professional, <laughs> even as a professional competitor, if I walk into, uh, if I walk into a store, they have no idea who I am. Um, and the, the, you can get, you can get talked down to. It's just, I just wish that, uh, our community would be better at communicating our position and, and take lessons in tact, you know, right. um, yes. just don't talk down to people, um, build people up. Uh, it's really, it's really, um, it's really sad that, that it's difficult that we make it more difficult on our, on our own kind uh, to come in and, and do something. Right. Now, as far as the founding of the DC project, uh, what all was involved, what was going on as that was taking place? Uh, we, we were out on the East coast uh, shooting a match and we were having a match the next weekend. So we stayed on the East coast and we hit DC as a tourist. Right. Um, and that is literally where, I mean, you, the you hear yeah. about God changing your heart. That is the catalyst. I can I can pinpoint it to that moment in time that um, I had no idea where it was going. I'm just saying that that's the beginning of me thinking that we could do something as professional shooters. But then I realized there was I only had standing in Oklahoma. I only had, you know, standing with my senator, with my representative. So then I was like, "Ah, I got to get more people involved. And there's not that many professional shooters. Um, And then it it turned into the women's voice can be a little bit more impactful talking about the Second Amendment because they don't look like you. Right. Yes. It, and it's it's one of those targeted demographics, right? Those voter blocks that they're always the politicians right. are always hollering about. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can see. So that was the step was to get you know ladies from all fifty states. Now I heard somebody told me that you guys have moved to even a state level now, right? Yeah. Originally, you know, I didn't want this to be an organization. I'm like, I got, you know, I got a great job. I'm shooting for a living. A few things on your plate, right? It's all fun and games. And, uh, but this has taken on a life of its own. Uh, Originally we met in Washington, DC. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea if it would be effective. We had no idea how to do it. Um, let me tell you that the the walking distance between the House of Representatives offices and the senator's offices is like almost a mile. So if you make a wow. meeting here at 10 o'clock and then here at 11 o'clock and then here at 12 o'clock, you put in some miles on that first year. So I'm telling you, we recreated the wheel when it comes to going to Washington, D.C. and, and trying to make a difference. Uh, but we yeah, we would just meet with our legislators and we we would say 
this is who I am. This is what I do with my guns. Uh, we'd, we'd break it down to like a match. So I would have five women, five, four to six women in a group. They would make their own appointments. They would call and, and they had their own schedule and uh, they would go in and say, well, this is what I do with it. This is what she does with it. This is what she does. You know, just nice. trying to create some relationship and some some awareness and some education. Um, now we have come to the point where um, after we saw Virginia fall in 2019 to an all um, anti-gun legislation, le legislators, all of them from the governor on down, um, then I was like, oh, holy cow, we got work to do in the state. So that's when we opened the doors and started. I asked the women who had been coming to D.C. with me, one woman from every state. I always had people that, you know, were like, oh, I'm from Texas. I want to come. I was like, thank you. But I can <laughs> right. only herd 50 cats at a time. Right. And, um, so I've been I, I turned around. I asked those women to go back to their home states and do the same effort there recruit, organize, pay attention to what's going on there, lead a group of ladies to the state capitol at least once a year, pay attention to what Moms Demand Action is doing, if there's rallies, if there's hearings. So yeah, that's that's where we are now is uh, every state, 50 states, uh, has a state director and we are still, try, still creating the wheel. Uh, we have, you know, we're just focused on on the you know making a difference and and doing what we can uh we have so much going on there are so many of these ladies in the states that are just on fire and they are they are on they are testifying um we had a new girl testify in arizona i don't know if you saw that in our social media feeds but if anybody's watching uh go back and look at the dc pro on instagram it's uh dc underscore project foundation and uh there's a girl in our shirt and she's testifying and this senator, this state senator tells her, basically tells her if she's scared, she should stay at home huh. and that some people just shouldn't have that right. I know it's a right, but some people shouldn't have that right. And I, we are just, we're floored. I mean, can you imagine a conservative saying that, you know, telling somebody that, that was afraid of COVID to stay home if you're scared or, you know, uh, you don't have that right. I just, right. it just floors me how far we've come away from our constitutional rights and, and being infringed and us being okay with it. Right. Yeah. Now you were talking about uh, a second ago about sending the you know, five ladies at one meeting. Now that's not five from the same state, right? You would have a, a mixture. Right. Right. We have, we would have a mixture and really the strategy in that was that I tried to make sure that there was like a, a power story, a victim, you know, a survival story. Sure. Uh, so anywhere anybody went, we've got several ladies and you want me to tell you about some of the ladies and their stories. It's that they I, I, yeah, blow, absolutely blows your mind. Uh, a lot of people know Nikki Gozier. Her husband was killed in a gun free zone. She left her lawfully permitted gun in her car to go into a restaurant and bar and her stalker came in and shot her husband six times in front of everybody. Um, he continues to uh, stalk her from prison. And uh, wow. it's, that's really a sad case as to when, you know, you're a victim and you don't ever get to not be a victim. Um, we give more rights to these criminals than we do that people who are actually victimized. Um, 
that we have Melissa from the Chicago area. She was uh, stabbed 17 times in a home invasion. Wow. Um, her face was beaten in with a crock pot and she was taken upstairs and raped and left for dead. Um, the, these stories, we've got a new girl from Connecticut. Our new Connecticut state director is Mary Forges. Um, there's another video out that everybody needs to go look at. We put it out February 17th-ish time period. And um, it has Lucretia Hughes' story, whose son was murdered by a, a gangbanger. And um, and then uh, Mary's story, who she protected herself with a firearm uh, in a home invasion. So these wow. these stories, I mean... They are powerful, and that's what these legislators need to hear, is they've been pumped full of misinformation and lies for so long that even if they were, uh, you know, neutral to it, that it's easier swayed. And that's where I feel like the D.C. Project does such a good job is it strengthens those people who are pro-Second Amendment, and we can provide armor against the attacks uh, from the anti-gun people. Right. Now, as far as the, the D.C. project goes and communicating with, you know, said politicians, um, you were talking about the educational component of, of D.C. project. Is there a strategy to to offer solutions or alternative views like their goal is to whatever, lower their percentage of said crime um, is D.C. project just defending the Second Amendment or are they going? Hey, like if we focused on this area, then this is, it's not the firearms. This is where we need to focus. Is there a strategy like that of education to the politicians in a, in a helpful well, manner? Well, you have to realize, and we realize this, is that we are trying, there's an agenda. Uh -huh. And there are some people that doesn't matter how much you present truth and it doesn't how much you present, uh, you know, something that's endearing that they should respond to that they're not going to respond to it. They can't step outside the line. Right. Um, so they don't, they don't want to fix the problem. And otherwise, no, no, they don't want to fix the problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. They don't want to fix the problem. They don't really care. They're just using it as a political football. Correct. So the only thing that I feel like we can accomplish is if I know I go into an anti-gunner's office and they meet me, they meet Melissa, they meet Nikki. I know that they have to go to bed that night knowing that they're yep. full of crap. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, I, I'm going to hold out hope that we can build bridges with some people. Um, some people that might be strong enough to, walk away from the, you know, the platform, the democratic platform, you know, we're nonpartisan. We have Democrats and we have Republicans. Yep. The democratic platform has gone so far anti-gun and they kind of expect everybody to lockstep into that narrative that that's where we need our democratic um, gun owners to really stand up and, and go beat down their doors and say, listen, this is a non-issue. This is a non-partisan issue. Stop beating this drum. Right. Yeah. No, agreed. Um, 
Now, as far as DC Project, is that what got the wheels turning? You've testified, of course, before Congress and stuff uh, several different times. Is that what started that, or did you have experience with that from law enforcement or something previously? Oh, well, I have testified a lot in law enforcement, but nothing like that kind of stage. Uh, and it was the DC. It was the relationships that we had created on, on Capitol Hill with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. They're the ones that put my name in the hat. Um, to testify in 2019. And then that 2019 was really when we started paying attention to, we knew moms demand action would be in the gallery and we knew they would have their red shirts on. And that's where our teal shirt with um, the teal for two a and the educate, not legislate uh, t-shirt came to life is we, we strategically put that uh, t-shirt in on about 10 women sitting right behind me. Nice. And what was that like for the first time walking into a thing like that? Overwhelming a little bit. It's, it's, it was, it was definitely very, 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 very much a lot of pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. That was the biggest stage I had ever been on. There were, um, you know, whoever, whoever controls the house, which, which was the Democrats at the time and the anti-gunners, they had, there were seven people who testified, seven witnesses. And of those seven, two of them were pro uh, and then five of them were anti. Wow. And yeah, so not, not, I mean, I don't know where they get the fairness there. They could have at least gone four, three, but uh, right. you know, just crazy. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, it was, that was a lot of pressure. I actually found out several weeks before that I was going to testify about three. And that during that time, that was, I mean, when you testify, you can have, you have five minutes, five minutes guaranteed. That's your time. You need to have that down, but you can submit unlimited words to the record. So I, right. I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and rewrote. And, and then I had to figure out, you know, <laughs> of, the five, of the five minutes where that was going to come from. So there was a lot right. of, a lot of focus there that I usually don't have, you know, I really don't make myself, but it was definitely a uh, experience that I will never forget. And I have done once since then, and it wasn't any easier. Uh, There was nobody in the gallery because it was, it was this time last year that I testified. Um, And I was a little bit more confident, I think, and, uh, and, and knowing what to expect. And as far as the DC project, you know, one of the things I want to do is kind of create a catalog of people and their stories. So these, whoever's choosing people, they can kind of go through and say, okay, um, this is about uh, red flag laws. Let's, you know, Nikki Gozier, because that's what exactly what happened last year. We had about 10 ladies that went with us to DC and I didn't know what was going to happen. That was another God thing. I just felt compelled to go. So I took 10 ladies and we went, we got to speak to, we got to present to the second amendment caucus. It, everything just, nothing was open, but they had released a few restrictions. So we were able to go to the Capitol Hill club, present to the second amendment caucus, had about, you know, over 20 members there, which was huge. They were really excited about it. And um, after that, we, we also spoke to the, judiciary uh, committees, um, pro-gun people. And uh, we ended up testifying. Nikki testified in a red flag hearing. Ashley Lubinsky testified in a ghost gun hearing. And then I testified in a, oh, it was just like an umbrella of gun violence is everywhere. 
Um, and then uh, also Chris Chang testified. He was one of the first yes. ones testifying. He reached out and he's like, hey, what, you know, what, what should I expect and what should I do? We helped him with his testimony. And I said, who's going with you, Chris? And he's like, nobody. And I was like, well, I think you should take somebody and I'll go with you if you don't have anybody else. So he, he asked if he could have um, company and they said yes. And then again, strategically, um, I was sitting behind Chris, a, a gay Asian gun owner, and then a woman police officer with the teal shirt. And then Maj Ture representing the black yep. uh, African-American urban community and, and, you know, decked out in a suit and his dreads. And, you know, we were just kind of the trifecta of optics. Right. So, uh, <laughs> and then yeah. that was, Chris nailed it. He, he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, he did. He did really, really well. Uh, when you're in those, uh, those hearings, well, let's back up, I guess, to the first one you went in. Um, did you have any expectations going in? And then what was the reality of that compared to those expectations once you walked out? Uh, I had, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I, I had expectations, but I, I was just expecting it to be nerve wracking. And it was very much nerve wracking. <laughs> Um, I didn't expect to say what I had said, which was the, you know, kind of the shot that I heard around the world when I said I would not comply. I, I was just really speaking from the heart and I had, you know, told you I took three weeks to write that, you know, that <laughs> testimony and right. of all the great stuff that I had in there. Nothing, not the news didn't want to read any of that. They wanted to say a cop says she will not comply and made a big deal about that. So um, and then once I said that, I was like, well, you know, did I, I was just speaking from the heart. Don't, I don't, don't make me a criminal. Right. And, and I wasn't speaking it to be disrespectful. I was just saying that this is unconstitutional and, um, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just curious if there was any, ever any sentiment of it, maybe it being a dog and pony show or, you know, they, you know, th was there really any legitimate reason for them to do it other than kind of they have to, the FaceTime to score political points, that sort of a, a I got a that feeling afterwards. And I don't know where it came from, but I felt like nobody told me going into this that this this bill was not going to go anywhere. I felt <laughs> like I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm like, I'm one of two people that can stop the assault weapons ban. What am I going to, you know? That's how I felt. But then right. on the side of it going, you know, somebody must have said something about, well, that it wasn't going to go anywhere anyway. And I was like, what, what? That would have been nice to know going into that, that, it, you know, the, the you know not on my shoulders. <laughs> and, and that's where I kind of got with the fear mongering, the drama, the, the stuff that we were talking about previously. Right. You hear about that. It's like, oh, so and so has been introduced. Legislation has been introduced. And we get that a lot here in Texas. You know, you know, I could I could go through a litany of legislation that's been proposed over the last two decades because I followed it closely and stuff gets submitted. Sure. But it never sees the light of day. But then you get people that want to stoke up the drama. And so they go, oh, so-and-so has been submitted. And you're like, yeah, but it's not, it's it's DOA. It's not going anywhere. Now, to your point, to your point earlier, that's, we don't ignore it. We still need to make people aware that 
they're trying this. This is a tactic they're using. This type of stuff does exist. People are thinking on this level when they're talking about taking our rights away. Um, but I think there's a difference between drumming it up where it's a it's a it's an absolute given and it's a very low chance. I think that's two different things. And, and often that could cause us in the 2A world to maybe misallocate resources, right? It's like if you put somebody that on something that's likely not to see the light of day, right? Then what are you potentially pulling them away from them over here that they actually could, that they're actually needed. You see where I'm going with that? I do, but I kind of disagree in the fact that if you don't, if you don't have somebody stopping it, then I think they're just waiting for a, you know, a weak link or a weak moment or throwing so much stuff at the wall that some of it will stick and they know not all of it will stick. They're right. desensitizing us to it. Just like you, you know, Oh, it's a, uh, you know, I'm crying wolf that we're crying wolf again, but one, but, but you look at New Jersey, you look at Connecticut, uh -huh. these people are the, that's where they're going. They're never going to stop. They're not going to stop until they disarm America. Right. And they have pretty much done it when it comes to Connecticut, New Jersey, New York. Um, it is it is crazy up there. And I don't even as a police officer, I wouldn't take a gun in. I can carry in all 50 states, uh, right. but I wouldn't carry a gun into New York. I wouldn't carry a gun into New Jersey. I wouldn't carry a gun because I don't trust their police. Right. I don't yeah. trust them to recognize and respond to me as a police officer, let alone what they would do to a, a, a private citizen that has never, doesn't have the LEO card. Right. Well, you know, it's been said for a long time that gun control is not about the gun. It's about the control. And I think you can look, if you look at, um, if you look at Europe, if you look at the UK, I mean, they went after knives, right? I mean, it's like, where does it end? Once, once Connecticut and New Jersey and New York and all these places have gone, uh, as far as they have gone with the firearm, then it's like, what's next, right? What are they going to do next? And that's well, the, they're, that's they're, the thing. At some very, point, you do have to draw that line in the sand. They're very knee-jerky, you know. If uh, somebody gets punched, let's ban fists. If somebody gets cut, <laughs> let's ban knives. If somebody, you know, it's just like, why don't you say, you know, and, and I've, been, I've been censored on uh, social media and I haven't said it since, but I'm like, you know what, what, why do I feel confident? Because I'm going to shoot them in the face. If somebody attacks me, they're, they're either going to get shot or they're going to get stabbed in the face. Um, and, and that's just too much for, uh, that's just too much right. for the snowflakes to handle. They can't, they, they, they look at me like I'm the violent one. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't start this fight. I'm just going to take care of myself as best as I know how. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think just like you, just like you alluded to with some of the women in the DC project, I think that, and I tell people this all the time, is like some people will never get, no matter what we say, no matter what facts we present, no matter, you know, how open and, and friendly and welcoming we are, there are people that we're never going to bring into the 2A. They're going to have to, unfortunately, experience something in their life dramatic that changes you know that changes that course for them yeah and there's those that feel like that they couldn't even if they were being um if they were being attacked that they couldn't take another's life and they're they don't feel you know and i'm like if if you feel that way that's fine you feel that way you may not feel that way if they're trying to take your kid away from you or if they're trying to murder your child 
Right. Uh, it's really easy to say what you're not willing to do for yourself, but what you're willing to do with somebody that you love. So, yeah, you can only and you know what? You need to be prepared to run into those people, too. That's part of the education. That's part of the right. teaching the choir, the words to the song, because, you know, saying you're stupid and, you know, just going down the throwing names calling is not right. effective, not right. helping. Right. I don't know. There's a certain amount of it's just uh, maybe it's ironic, but if you I mean if you think about it, just laying down and not defending yourself, defending yourself to me is like a it's a human survival skill that we're ingrained with, and being able to not just lay down and not defend yourself at all. Uh, you know, I think of a Buddhist monk. I, I think of somebody that's really disciplined or whatever to be able to do that. Um, yeah. Because it's not, it doesn't seem to me, it does at least to me, it doesn't seem normal to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, and I think that they would probably kick in to fight mode. They just don't know how to fight. So, yeah, well, by that time, it's too late, right? It's like, it's like you've, let's say you've gone out and you purchased a firearm, and this is why, you know, practice and training and, and ed the education part comes into play is that you want some basis right some at least something there um in the event that you need it um i know how to do a lot of things not well enough to do them professionally but right. well enough to do them it'll get me out of a pinch if i need to uh, and i'm talking whether it's mechanicing or woodworking or whatever you know home repair or whatever it might be um, and i look at it the same way at least have some foundational basis yeah. Uh, and defensive, even if you don't choose a firearm, I mean, I'm okay with that. If you say, hey, you know, I don't like firearms, um, you know, but I've got a taser, I've got pepper spray, you know, I've taken karate, whatever the case your may brain, be. Right. Your brain is your best weapon. Uh, you right. know, staying out of those, being situationally aware and staying out of those yep. situations are the best place to start. Yep. Uh, yeah. Like I told you, I don't like. I don't like knives and I don't like cutting up things. I like things how God packaged them. So it's really difficult for me to think about uh, using a knife to defend myself. But that's why I train with it. That's why I visualize it. That's why I know that I'm drawing a knife and I'm going for your left eye or maybe your right eye. If you move your head, whatever it is, I, you know, I, I am going to uh, interrupt your OODA loop and um, and do everything I can to to not be a victim. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we had any uh, questions out there. Let me double check. So, yeah, if you all have questions out there in the live chat. Uh, well, you know how we're talking about, about you know how we're talking about um, teaching the choir, the words to the song. Sure. Like yeah. One of the things I'd like to, to, to tell you about and tell your audience about is the Ambassador Academy. So, um, oh, okay. Early on in my in my career, I got in with Michael Bain and he was using me as a co-host and putting me on his show. And I was like, Michael, I want to be better on camera. And he's like, oh, you're doing fine. I was like, no, I have the channel. I see the TV show. I suck. And uh, so I've always wanted to be, have training in that. And then, you know, enter the advocacy. I've always wanted to be better when it caught talking about our community. Um, social media. I hate social media, but I know it's so imperative to, you know, running your own business. Um, and, and so I thought, where would you, where can you go to train on all this stuff as a professional shooter? Um, where, you know, these are all the hats that, and I need to know how to film and edit. Um, 
and it didn't exist. So uh, one day I just said, I'm going to have a class and hire subject matter experts and all of these different topics, bring them under one roof. We have it at a place called Waft. It's outside of Orlando, Florida. And it's a, it, that's an amazing facility. It's more like, we call it tactical Disneyland because it's more like a resort than it is a range. Um, and it's their specialty is scenario based training. Um, so we have one day of personal protection training, which is all WAF stuff. And then we have four more days of, of all of this training. We add in a live fire session. This year we had Kay Mitchellick be our professional. Um, and we also have three of the best photographers on the planet. So we do like a photo shoot for everybody. We do several photo shoots throughout the week and they get to practice their talking points. They get to practice. It's really life skills that it, it, it's so much more than just for the professional shooter. Uh, it's, it, everybody has a, a, a blast. Everybody says it's great. This year we had a couple from California that came and said that they had paid three times the money to go to Damon from Shark Tank's. Uh, class and that ours blew it out of the water. So that made me feel good. And um, if so, if anybody's interested, uh, that's the ambassadoracademy.info, same as dcproject.info. And what is the what's the cost to do something like that? That is well, it has been thirty five hundred dollars. Uh, that's for five days. It covers housing, covers two meals a day. My wow. husband's an amazing cook. Uh, it's been a great. <laughs> It's been a great value. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have to go up this year because of all of the costs and, you know, how things go. But so it's going to be $3,500, $4,000. And um, th we've already we've selected the date. So the next one is going to be February the 11th through the 15th-ish. We start on a Saturday and we go through Wednesday. Okay. Okay. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Now we're talking about we were talking about cost, and Smeggy up there did have, uh, I think it was Smeggy up there that had a question. Okay, um, he was talking about the women of the DC project, uh, state level, federal level, whatever it might be. Um, do they handle all of the costs themselves? Is that on them to for travel and lodging? It was. It was definitely in the beginning, all volunteer organization and everybody paid for their own stuff. But as we grew and as I started getting a little bit more bold about asking for money and, <laughs> right. um, and, and then because now I don't mind it's a volunteer thing uh, that these ladies that are state directors that don't get paid. Uh, they come to Washington, D.C., they don't get paid, but I would like to cover their expenses. So the D.C. trip is a big uh, expense, and we try to at least cover expenses. If we can't, we can't, but uh, definitely need our own Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg finances Moms Demand Action to the tune of 36 to $60 million a year. And yeah. um, we are literally the direct uh, counter to moms demand action. And right. we can't, we are holding back the tides of their misinformation and their propaganda campaigns. And we would really, we're just like, we are, we're like a big old fat race car that's this far off the ground. Our wheels are spinning and we've got all this horsepower, but we, we can't make, we can only make contact with the pavement every so often. Then we take a big jump and a big jump. But if we were on the, if we were on the ground all the time, if we had the, the money and the resources, to um, to be on the ground all the time, we could really exponentially make a difference. Well, so, I, I've, 
if you know an anti Michael Bloomberg, (laughs) I'm thinking about like Elon Musk. I want to, I want to, I want a conversation with Elon Musk. That could, yeah, that could be interesting. You know, I've said for a long time that I don't know. I I like the sentiment of we need a pro to a Bloomberg. I I get it. But the, the hang up I see is I don't know how many people are out there with that type of money that are willing to put it on the line with things like that. Unfortunately, I'm not saying that that's justified. Um, And so a couple of things that, and then also you're still putting your eggs in, in one basket should said person pass away, whatever the case may be. And so why not look at it on a, on a smaller level, instead of having one Bloomberg, we have an organization like DC project funded by dozens, if not hundreds of, people with sure. a little less a little less wealth let's say right um, oh, true yeah. grassroots true grassroots funding um, I think could be an amazing thing yeah no we uh we go to dcproject.info and donate <laughs> right I'll take, I'll take five dollars I'll take five million dollars I'll take five hundred million dollars <laughs> I don't care I, right. I don't uh, I don't care how we get the money. I just know that we've got a vehicle that's uh, pretty worthy and we just need to put gas in the tank. These have, yes, some some high octane. And, uh, you know, on that, there will be links wherever you're watching, listening to this in the future. I will get some some links to DC Project, certainly down below, and and encourage that you go whatever, as Diana said, whatever you're able to to throw that way. Um, We've covered a lot of ground, Diana, and we're we're coming up at the top of the hour here. Anything that we haven't talked about that's important that we do? Anything current event related that's oh, going on now? People get, need to be aware. You can't get into current events, but I do have an announcement. <laughs> That'll work. I uh, we the press release hasn't even been out yet, so y'all are hearing this hot off the presses. Uh, we have a new sponsor, Daniel Defense. That's my rifle, my new rifle. I just took it oh, out cool. last week for its first match. Nice. And uh, came home with a win. So, yeah, Daniel Defense is an amazing, uh, not only amazing company, but it's run by amazing people. Um, they're out of Black Creek, Georgia, outside of Savannah. Uh, but they do so much for the Second Amendment as well. So I think that that's why it was a good fit. And, uh, you know, I all of my sponsors, all of my sponsors really um, provide me the opportunity to do what I do that they are indirect beneficiaries of, you know, mm-hmm. Benelli, Hyperfire, Fiocchi, Fiocchi Ammo. Oh my gosh. Um, did I say Night Force, Optics, 511, Tactical? Uh, it's just, you know, these people are creating an atmosphere for me that, like I told you, I, w- I was shooting for a living and I was, that was pretty cool. But now, now I have self-imposed all of these things that now my life is very, very, very um, complicated and, and busy. So uh, I appreciate all of my sponsors and, and the sport of three. Oh, the DC project has a team match that's here. It's on June 17th, 18th. It's on father's day weekend. Oh, but we, okay. have like a, we have a banquet on Friday night and then we have a two man team match and team matches are so much fun. They're so much fun. And everybody has a blast. So, and, and it's very, there's only like a hundred, hundred, you know, 50 teams, 50 teams. How many, it's very small. 
we cap it to that so we can have a good time and and right. not be stressed out. So it's uh, if anybody it's on the dcproject.info under events. So if anybody's a three gunner, if they want to come out, it's in Missouri uh, around Lake of the Ozarks. So, you know, I'm glad you hit on that here sort of at the end, because we've been we've been we've delved into a lot of serious stuff. And there's been a lot of talk about getting business done for 2A. And so it, it's nice to hear you mention that that shoot, because. There's one thing that I can say about the ladies that I know uh, in um, in DC Project uh, and just being a part, whether it's till out at SHOT Show or wh whatever it might be, um, you, you, you guys have fun, too. It's not, you know, you're, you're staunch 2A and you, you're definitely holding that line and pushing back. But you also are coming together as a, as a group yourself, right, and have that fellowship between each other. Yeah. Uh, it's a, th that has to be another God thing because I have been raised as a tomboy. I have been in a, a, <laughs> a career uh, that was very male dominated. So for me to be able to be around all of these women, uh, our women are amazing. I'm so grateful for the team that God has put into place around the DC project. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a blessing for sure got uh speggy out there it makes a good comment to what i said earlier he said uh, a thousand thousand heirs are better than one millionaire and, uh, i yeah. concur let's so, sign up those thousand thousand heirs right uh, smeggy can be the first one so there your you moves go. your moves smeggy uh diana before we get out of here um obviously like i said i'll drop some links to dc project down below wherever you're you're watching or listening to this but if folks want to follow you dc project any of the other worthy things going on um how and where do they do all that yeah and it's one of those things that you know it's so important to to affect the algorithms and things like that so if nothing else if they do nothing else if they don't donate then you can go to social media and you can give us a like on instagram and share share DC share project. share share yeah like and share like comment and share it doesn't cost anything. And um, on Facebook, we are the DC project. Uh, and I am on Facebook. I'm Diana Muller three gun. And uh, on Instagram, I'm die D I three gun, the number three gun. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, Diana. Thanks again for, uh, for coming on. Great conversation. You're welcome yeah. back anytime as new projects are moving forward. If we can make schedules line up, I'm, I'm a little bit more flexible than uh, you and I don't understand it because you just sit around and eat bonbons all day. I we know. know that, so. I just, I'm going to go back to my bonbons. <laughs> I understand. Uh, as for uh, everybody else out there, if you joined us live, thank you. If you went nearly an hour now on the audio side of thing, you're a trooper. God bless you. Uh, Till next time, don't forget to chain fire freedom. <laughs>